Your Faith podcast. My name is Eric Woods. I am joined by Travis McKinley. Thanks for joining us today. In this episode, we will continue our series on identity. In this episode specifically, we're going to be talking about what it means when Jesus says, I and the Father are one, and what it means to be one with Christ. Let's get into it. All right, so this is episode two of our identity series. So let's recap a little bit on what we talked about already in episode one, because it's been a little while. It's been three or four weeks. We've had Christmas with our families, so we took a little bit of a break to spend time with them and all that stuff. But now we're back. We're ready to go, ready to talk about it. We, This is important stuff. Oh, yeah. Our identity in Christ. So we started our identity series talking about what the image of God was, and we talked about some different points like from the book, The Unseen Realm from Dr. Michael Heiser. We talked about how men and women, there's no differentiation in the image of God between men and women. We're equal in that sense. And the one that hit me the hardest, I think, was that there's no indication in the text, in the Bible, that says we can get half of God's image. Like, we have it. The deception in Genesis 3 is the image gets distorted in our minds. So immediately we project things onto God that are not God. We think God thinks of us in a certain way. We ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. God certainly will be mad at us and we feel shame. We feel guilt. We feel condemned. But did God ever say that? No. He came down to walk with them. And there were consequences for that action, but God never uh, attributes shame, guilt, or condemnation to them. He sees them as the image of God. So then we ask the question, well, if we are the image of God and we need to act like we are the image of God, what does that look like? And the conclusion we came to is we need to look to Jesus to figure out what the image of God is. If we look at the Bible as a story of humanity, you know, creation, everything is good, fall, we screw it up, but God has set a master plan in place to make everything right again, and it culminates in Jesus, and Jesus is God, then we need to look at Jesus' life and what he said and how he acted to figure out what God's image is. And Jesus himself makes claims like this. I and the Father are one. So let's talk about that a little bit. What what does it mean that I and the Father are one? I think that's a good question. <laughs> good question. Next. Def- <laughs> good question. <laughs> no, but you see, yeah, you see, you see the scripture. You sh- you see him when he's praying, when he's praying to his father, and he and he says, "Just as you and I are one, he there's this oneness, there's this connectedness, there's this uh, just such a tight bond between the father and Jesus." One thing that came to my mind when I'm thinking about I and the Father are one, it's there's not a separation. So if we hold to traditional Trinitarian doctrine, 
right? Which says Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are co-equal, co-eternal, and co-awesome. That's what I said last Mm -hmm. time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If something is consistent with the Father, it also has to be consistent with the Son. And it has to be consistent with the Holy Spirit. Because if they're doing something different at all, that would change their character or create a dichotomy in any way. That would compromise the nature of the Trinity. So when Jesus says, I and the Father are one, he's just affirming who he is. But you also have to think, when he says, I and the Father are one, and then he makes statements like, I only see I only see and do things that I see my Father doing, or I only do things that I see my Father doing. Why? It's because there's no dichotomy. There's no separation there. So whatever the Father does, the Son will do. However the Father acts, the Son will act. It's not going to be inconsistent. The unique thing about Jesus is that he is fully human and he's fully God. So he's connected to God the Father as a human. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Very. It's showing us something. Yeah. It's showing us what it what it means to be fully human in in right a right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And and we see in the fall that was what was destroyed was the relationship, the separation occurred, and we read in scripture that uh, Jesus came to uh, restore that which was lost, and so what was lost it was the relationship, it was the image, it was the identity, it was our sonship. To be truly human is to be in right relationship with God because mm-hmm. when I'm in right relationship with God I'm going to image him like he always wanted me to image him it's the same picture of the Trinity when when I'm imaging God I'm doing exactly what he would do in a perfect love relationship the author of Hebrews starts out his book by saying this in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The the author here is saying, in the past, God speaks through other fallible human beings. But there's something significant now. Why, Why else would he write it this way? In the past... God has spoken through ancestors, prophets, people, but now he's spoken to us by his son. It's huge. Very. Because the son is connected to the father. Mm-hmm. So whatever picture I had that prophets and ancestors painted for me, there's something about that picture that is incomplete until I see the son. Right. Because he goes on right after that to say the son is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. Mm. So what can we conclude from that verse? I would contend that you could say, I can look at Jesus and see how God has always been. It's not like he changed. God didn't change. He's, 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 shut, he's manifesting himself. He, he's coming into the world to show us who he is. 
And when we learn who he is, everything about our world changes. It's revelation. It's the mystery revealed. It's it's everything that uh, we need. It's all found in him, in him, who he is, his identity. And all that we are flows from him. So it's probably a good idea to look to Jesus to see who God is. Let's see how... Uh, how he responds in certain situations. Let's see how he, uh, his, what his behavior is. How does he pray? Wh- what's his prayer life like? How is he walking? Because his words are profound. And when we, when we listen to the son who we're commanded to listen to, then uh, we'll learn a lot about who we are. I, I think it has to be the place we start. Mm-hmm. If you call yourself a Christian, then you're a Christ follower. Everything has to start and end with Jesus and everything has to be filtered through Jesus Mm -hmm. because if it's not, then what type of Christianity are you really adhering to? Right. Does it look more like Judaism than Christianity? Mm. You know, old Testament law type stuff. Mm -hmm. The, The early church seemed to filter everything through Jesus. They, they go back and reread scriptures now through the new revelation of what they have in Jesus Mm. and, and their eyes are opened to scriptures that they didn't really understand before now that they had the revelation of Jesus. But it's not like, it's not like God changed. It's just a revelation of who God is. He, he, Jesus came to display who God is to reveal him to us, but he also came to expand this relationship to advance his father's kingdom Mm -hmm. and he extends the invitation to us uh and it's in the depths we couldn't even comprehend at such a spiritual level that it just transcends it you see it in his prayers where he's praying to the father just as you and i are one in john chapter 17 he's praying for believers and he says i pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one father just as you are in me and i am in you may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me so now he's pulling us into what he has Mm -hmm. he's he's bringing us into this and so that right there is what makes us christians that right there is what is uh what transforms us and changes everything about us everything Mm -hmm. that we once knew before is changing and we are entering into something completely new this is a new age this is a new covenant this is everything is now new Mm -hmm. i think it's pretty important to understand that because once we understand uh what's been done and we'll expand on this but when we realize what's been done for us we can uh, and grasp it then we can grow in this we're growing in christ and christ in us and when we understand that uh that relationship and that when we understand uh, what that looks like, then our identity gets established and rooted in him. And when we get rooted in him, then all that we are basically comes alive in him, which flows from him. Perfectly clear, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
but but looking to Jesus though, it, it, he is our model. He is the Christian model. He when we look to him, we see how what it means to be human, what it means to be fully in right standing with God, because that's what he came to do. He he apart from works, he gives us and bestows on us believers in Christ his righteousness. And when when he looks at us, he is not seeing this this disgusting filthy animal he is seeing his child uh, clothed in his son's robe of righteousness without uh, blemish and without spot he, he completely uh, just transfigured into the image of Christ the into the image of God he is seeing what was always supposed to be this in, in Christianity is ex, this is what it was always supposed to be this is it and mm-hmm. so let's let's talk about it let's let's dive into it let's look to Jesus as our model and what can we pull on how to live our lives as Christians how are we to walk this thing out because the scriptures say uh, uh, we are to walk like he walked he, he he is sending us out as he was sent he sends us so how will we how will we be imitators of Christ well, how did he think? What was his motivating factors? What was his mindset? Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, his mindset can be uh, can be almost broken down into you look to Jesus and he uh, always overcame evil with good. Mm-hmm. He did not love his own life unto death. He, he was willing to die mm-hmm. always. And he did not allow the sins of others around him to produce sin within him. Right. And that is what Christians are called to. Mm-hmm. He showed us the way. He walked it out in right relationship with now, as Christians, as believers, our Father. Mm-hmm. travel back to the third page of the Bible. You can do that for most things. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we're, we're given a responsibility and a mandate. This is Eden. This is what I want. I want you to work with me to make the rest of the world like this. Mm. The only way it's going to happen is if you trust me in my definition of good. But we don't do that. We, we seize control for ourselves and fail from there. But we were always meant to rule on this earth as God's ambassadors, if you will, as if Christ were making his appeal through us. I forget. I'm terrible with references. <laughs> I just remember the, mm-hmm. the, the verse. So I, I think one of the things Jesus comes to do is show us, hey, this is how I'll, you were always supposed to be acting. This, this is what brings heaven to earth, you know, the Edenic vision, mm-hmm. which was heaven on earth. This is how to get back there. 
above all of the spiritual stuff that happens in atonement and whatever, you know, you go back to Matthew 4 where Jesus is tested and he uses only the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Mm-hmm. That's significant because that those are the two tools we have today. So he's not doing anything that we cannot do with the tools that he has equipped us with. He's showing us how to be human. Yeah, Jesus showed us the way mm-hmm. because he is the way and it's the way of love. Mm-hmm. When we look to Jesus and you really look to Jesus, you see love every single time. This is love fully united. It is such a connection and this relationship is coming to us and this invitation is expanding to us because that's what love does. It's bringing us all together as one in unity. When you see Jesus not being impacted by the sins of those around him, That is because love keeps no record of wrongs. Mm -hmm. Love is patient. Love is kind. His responses are completely perfect in love. And we need to grow in that love. And it's only possible in a relationship with him. But it's fully possible for the human that is completely connected to the source of love and for that love to be flowing through that human being that for that person, this is possible. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking about that person, that human being, the, the one who is connected to the source, the one that's been born again, the one that's that is growing in Christ the hope of glory for Christ is in that human Christ is in us. And when Christ is in us, he wants to flow through us Mm -hmm. and he wants to love this world unconditionally. And so the model he walked out for us, he is doing within us today. And we're called to get in tune with this so we can grow in this understanding so we can better walk this out because the world is looking to Christians, looking to his church, looking and searching for God, searching for meaning, wanting to know if this is real. Is God real? Does he really exist? Does it, mm-hmm. you know, is, does love even exist? People don't know. You know, we have all these different forms of love. We're talking about agape love. We're talking about unconditional sacrificial, selfless love that keeps no record of wrongs and that does not bow to the lie, does not mm. bow to adversity. No, the the truth and of love will rise up and stand firm and resolute in all situations, and you see that in Christ. And so when we look to him and we study some, uh, let's let's look at some different stories or things uh, that Jesus has walked through, mm-hmm. situations that he's walked through, and let's let's look at it, let's peel it back, and let's see how he responded to certain things, you know? So if Jesus came to show us and invite us back into relationship, and he came to show us what his relationship with the Father was, 
which is perfect, which is what he wants with us. That goes back to I and the Father are one, and I want you to be in me. And other passages in the New Testament say we are in Christ. Uh, he is in us. We are, we are connected to him. If the Father and the Son are in a perfect love relationship, and Jesus wants a perfect love relationship with us, if that is unity, everything Jesus did, which is what you were just explaining, mm. was done in love, in agape love. Mm. Complete, selfless, other-centered, enemy-embracing love. Everything he did. So if we come across a picture of Jesus that is contrary to that picture, I think we need to be very cautious of what that type of teaching is mm. or what conclusions we reach when we, when we go anywhere except that God is love. Mm. Oh, 100%. Because that creates dis- distortions of who God is and can lead down a lot of different roads that gives you a picture of God that is not true. Because mm-hmm. it's the lens that you're looking through. Yeah. It, 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 whatever you perceive God to be, that becomes your lens, that becomes your vision, that is your vision. Whether you're a Christian or a Buddhist or a Hindu or Muslim or... Uh, whatever it is, even an atheist, whatever you believe and perceive God to be, those are your eyes. Yeah, that is your vision. That's your world for view. your whole world. Yep, for everything. Yep, it all hinges on what you believe and who you think God is. Mm-hmm. Everything, his nature, how is God, you could say God is angry, God is wrathful, vengeful, vindictive. If that is your mind frame, if that's how you perceive God, then that is your worldview. And that will that will permeate through everything in your entire life and will saturate every relationship you will ever be in Every last one of them. So it's very important for us to get this one right. Mm-hmm. It's very important to get this one right. Yeah, because if, if we think God is capable of creating and even incorporating evil into his plan, and and we are, ought to image him, then we're going to be okay with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then we build doctrines and philosophies around that. And we play right into the hands of an atheist or an agnostic that says, why would I ever believe in your God? Because he's a monster. Mm. But if, if I believe that God or God, the father and Jesus are the same, I look at Jesus life and how he lived in complete other centered enemy embracing love. Mm. Then I have to conclude, I think at least that God is that way. Mm-hmm. And maybe there are, principalities and powers and forces of evil that create those things that God did not do. Mm-hmm. But those are real forces in the world that have free will, just like we do. And the beautiful thing about God is that he does not negate people's free will, but he turns every evil into good for his purposes and his plan. So we can trust that God 
will accomplish his purpose and plan because somehow he is capable of taking all of our screw ups and all of even intentional and all of the principalities and power screw ups that are intentional. And though he did not create it or do it, he's able to use the results of that to turn it for good for his plan ultimately. And that makes him God. And that makes him God because he is the only one Mm -hmm. that can do that. He's the only one capable. And that makes him holy. Mm -hmm. That makes him completely other. What the Hebrew word means. Completely other. I can look at the earth. I can look under the earth. I can look above the earth. I can look at people. I can look at animals. I can look at angels. I can look at demons. I can look at principalities and powers. I can look at the stars. And all of that, nothing looks like Yahweh. Mm. nobody thinks like Yahweh like that. Mm. He's completely other, mm-hmm. completely love. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus is so set apart from other historical figures and other religious figures because this is so radical. This is so unique mm-hmm. that God would come to us personally personally to go through the same things and trials and temptations and and situations that we go through mm-hmm. even i mean comparative first century to 21st century he went through very similar things to us in our generation the same spiritual Forces are at play in the world today. The mm-hmm. same uh, political spirits, the same religious spirits are in the world today. The same evil one is out there blinding the minds of unbelievers. And here we are with the truth and with the Holy Spirit that mm-hmm. is still here. Yep. Thousands of years later, he's still here. Yep. And he's still working. And he's and he's showing his children amazing and glorious things, and he's using his children. But he wants he's waking us up at the same time. He's waking up his bride for something amazing. Yeah, we are on the brink of something amazing in this generation. It's time for us to wake up and to be who we're called to be. That there's more to this than than religion there's more to this than doctrine there's more and it comes with knowing who god is and knowing what jesus went through and modeling jesus imitating mm-hmm. christ in the in the new testament seems to say you cannot just have logical head knowledge about who jesus is you have to have a knowing and the knowing in the Greek, just like the Hebrew, is the same word that they use where a man knows a wife. Mm. That intimacy, where it's relational. It's relational. It's not just I can read a textbook and I completely understand and have God figured out. Mm. It has to be experiential knowledge. This is this is what John equates eternal life with in John 17. He says, This is eternal life that they know me. So there is something about a relationship with Jesus that has to go beyond logical sense. Mm -hmm. 
In this, I think in the West, a lot of Christendom is scared of. Maybe because we're in a culture of materialism and we've become very skeptical and we don't hold to spiritual beliefs as much as we used to, you know, the the spirit realm or invisible realm or the unseen realm. Mm -hmm. You know, we hear the word mystic and a lot of Christians immediately think heretic, (laughs) you know, uh, mystic, that must be new age, Eastern religion. That, that is not Bible. Right. But, or mystic is just embracing the mystery. And God, by definition, is mysterious because we don't know everything about him and we never will as we are now. Mm-hmm. So if we don't know everything about him, something is mysterious about him. Mm-hmm. So on some level, as a Christian, I think you have to be a mystic. Now, not the weird, you know, like the rock is God and I don't want to bend a blade of grass because I'm going to hurt God's feelings type of thing. We got to get away from that definition. Mm-hmm. But we need to start embracing mystery a little bit again. So I think to put this whole oneness idea to an analogy would be something like this. I go to a bookstore one day and I pick out a book about a woman that will one day be my wife. And it is claims to be comprehensive about this woman's life. So I read it and I study it and I try and get all the little nuances of it. Then I go and meet her one day and say, oh, hello, I know everything about you, let's get married. What's her response going to be? I think it might be something akin to, get away from me, I don't know you. (laughs) Uh, And this is what I think Jesus is drawing us into, a deeper understanding of what it means to have eternal life and what it means to be one with him. We can know everything about him. We can know a lot of things about somebody that we want to be in relationship with, but until we experience each other, until we know each other intimately, we cannot know each other's heart and we cannot share in the love that we freely want to give. The 1024 challenge this week is this. Look up in scripture the verses and passages that talk about Jesus being one with the Father and then us being one with Jesus. Read them, study them, and then ask Holy Spirit to bring you to a deeper revelation of what it means to be one with Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Peculiar Faith Podcast today. Stay tuned as we continue our series on identity. If you have any questions or have been blessed by this podcast and would like to leave us a note, you can do so by emailing us at peculiarfaithpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, love Jesus, love everyone around you, spread the kingdom.